This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. Now that most of William Branham's prophecies have proven themselves false by either recorded history or by William Branham's own words, many people that are fleeing this cult of William Branham are skeptical of prophets and of the gift of prophecy. William Branham gives a story many times about going to the school of the prophets and, and other events that happened during his trip to Mishawaka. And over time, this story becomes woven into Branham's many stories about Elijah's ascension into heaven as 50 men stood watching. In 2 Kings 2, the writer describes the sons of the prophets. Not the school, but the sons of the prophets. Young men that were standing by the Jordan River watching as Elijah and Elisha passed by. They actually warned Elisha that Elijah would be taken before his translation. So it would seem that these men either had the gift of prophecy or they had overheard their fathers, the prophets, speaking. And 50 of them fell into error when they went searching for the body of Elijah. And they were respectful of the spirit that rested on Elisha. Branham starts calling these sons of the prophet the school of the prophet. He's referring to the school of prophets that he visited, or that he claims to have visited. What he does not tell the congregation is that the school of prophets is affiliated with the Church of Latter-day Saints, or the Mormons. The first school of prophets, or school of elders as it is called, was founded by Joseph Smith of the LDS. Brigham Young carried the torch, establishing several more of these schools for generating elders to the Mormon faith. This school of prophets is also called the school of elders. It is evident from Branham's teaching when he integrates this story into the storytelling of the biblical Elijah, that things may not have gone so well in that school. 
You see, Branham claiming to be the Elijah of this day was far more powerful than all the others in the school or the sons of the prophets. Because of his unscriptural foundation for prophecy, it's even quite possible that the Mormon faith knew more about Paul's instruction for prophecy than William Branham, and that William Branham was trying to be a lone wolf. The Apostle Paul tells us how we should prophesy, if we have the gift of prophecy. It is not to be a lone wolf, a prophet who claims to have had many prophecies 20 years ago, without other prophets to confirm him. Paul says that other prophets should be involved to make sure that the prophecy came from God. Paul says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For him who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. <clears throat> you see, Paul does not discourage prophecy, though many of the cult pastors of today do. While the cult pastors have been taught that this major prophet, William Branham, is the only prophet we should listen to, Paul speaks of many prophets. In the Bible, there are even women prophets. Prophecy, if it is from God, is a blessing to the church. Prophecy, if not from God, is very damaging to the church. And this is exactly what we see today in the cult of William Branham. We're witnessing the fruit. Paul placed value on spiritual gifts that edify others. He says, now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even if lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an uncertain sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves and with your tongue, utter speech that is not unintelligible. How will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, none of which is without meaning. <clears throat> but if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourself, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Notice this. The one prophesying in tongues edifies himself 
because no one could hear or understand. Is this not the same thing that William Branham did when he claimed to have had several prophecies in the days gone by? Where are his prophetic witnesses? <coughs> Paul says, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, but my spirit, my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I pray with my spirit, but I pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not even know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person, the outsider, is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul says that he has this gift of tongues, but he holds it within himself so that he doesn't edify himself. He would rather lift up others, even the outsider. Out of all of the prophecies that William Branham claimed to have had, tell me which ones edified the church. Did Marilyn Monroe's suicide edify the church? Did the length of antlers on a hunting trip or the vision of egg-shaped cars edify the church? How about that second brown bear, the failed vision? If it were to have happened, would it have edified the church? This is folly. This is childlike bragging. Paul condemns it. Paul says, Brothers, do not be children. Do not be children in your thinking. He says, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues, and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are, not, tongues are a sign for believers, are not a sign for believers, but are for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together, everyone, and speaks in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you guys are out of your minds? This is Paul speaking. Can we not say the same thing for William Branham's prophecies? If we go around witnessing to other people, and we say, did you know that we have a prophet that said Marilyn Monroe would die out of a heart attack and not suicide? Will that point others to Christ? Is that mature thinking? If we tell them that California will sink before that old guy becomes old, does that point other people to salvation? Can you imagine it now? You bring somebody into church to witness to them. 
And you point to him and say, see that old guy over there? He's not going to be an old man before California sinks because God said it. Would they not think you're mad? They'd look at him and say, that guy's older than the hills. Paul says, but if all prophecy prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God. Not the guy on the platform, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Because he's witnessing the gifts in the church by the congregation, not the dude on the platform. Paul does not say that the wizard behind the curtain should be the one on the platform prophesying. He instructs all the church that all should seek the gift of prophecy. It's called the fruits of the Spirit. How many of your churches have the fruit? If the spirit that William Branham had with his prophecy is the root of the tree, as you claim, then where, tell me, are the fruit? And more than that, Paul said that they should prophesy in an orderly fashion, not the tangled mess that William Branham made. He says, What then, brothers, when you all come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, let all things be done for building up the church. All. If any speak at a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn. And let someone interpret. But if there's no one to interpret, let them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. But here's the interesting part. Paul says, let two or three prophets speak. Not one. Let two or three prophets speak. And let the others weigh in on what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged. For the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Now, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. I can already hear that message programming kicking in. I can already feel your minds brainwashed thinking that this is a sorcerer. I mean, this is William Branham. You see, Branham pointed to this one single verse, taking it out of context, to imply that he could stand on the platform with his arms stretched open wide and say, I take every spirit in this auditorium under my control like a grand wizard. But in context, this is speaking of God, who's speaking through his prophets to confirm the prophecy. This is a system of checks and balances to ensure that the prophet is prophesying the word that came from God. Otherwise, we end up with a bunch of prophets who are sitting around speaking about egg-shaped chariots and other nonsense that does not edify the church.
as Christians, we should ask ourselves, why did our fathers allow this man, seemingly kicked out of the school of prophets, to claim to have had prophecies up to 20 years in the past without following the scripture's instructions for prophecy? Why do the cult pastors speak of these prophecies as though they're absolute fact without searching them out for themselves? Are they too lazy? Why do so many cult pastors now take the Bible and throw it under the bus to uplift a false prophet when they have fed this nonsense to us for years? They've told us year after year after year how each one of these prophecies are infallible. Go check it out yourself. Why do they claim everything William Branham said as, Thus saith the Lord, is infallible? Many of the claims that he, that he had with, Thus saith the Lord, don't even match the scriptures. Find me where the scripture says, Thus saith the Lord, women who cut their hair should be divorced. You can't find it, but I can find you a hundred that point to edifying your bride, lifting her up, forgiving her. These pastors, I don't know what they've been doing for the last 20 years other than raking in money. When other prophecies, such as the bridge vision, is obviously a lie, they're feeding it to us as though it is complete undeniable fact. Could it be that these cult pastors are today's school of the prophets or sons of the prophets? And the real spirit of Elijah is the Holy Spirit that is within the hearts of the congregations. The Holy Spirit. Do, do they know this and they're trying to suppress the Spirit to keep the ones in the congregations from finding out the truth? Are they trying to, to contain the people so they don't prophesy because they know that if true men of God filled with the Holy Spirit prophesy, they would condemn the entire message of the false prophet? Could it be?